In life, each of us, we have an image that we portray. And how many of you, when you were at high school, you kind of uh, uh, knew people who had or, or portrayed certain images? I'm sure a lot of you did. Well, I want to I give you a lesson this morning. Think back to high school. Those of you who are out of high school, some of you have been out of high school a few years, some of you have been out of high school like many, many years. Think back to high school. There's a whole lot of different images that people portray. Now, there's, there's something on the, on the internet called the Urban Dictionary. And uh, I wouldn't recommend going on the Urban Dictionary very often because it's not the nicest thing in the world, but there's some pretty good things. So I found all these stereotypes of the Urban Dictionary and all these images, high school images. And so these are just some of them this morning, and uh, you may know people, or you may remember being one of these people. So there's a group of people who call themselves preppy, and preppy people, uh, they're really known really to be a little shallow uh, in, in their opinions of others. They love to wear Hollister or Abercrombie, and so uh, you can always tell those, so if you go uh, uh, by the mall and uh, you go by Hollister, then the people going in there, they're more preppy. Uh, the Urban Dictionary actually says, that these are rich, spoiled kids uh, that aren't snobs. And so I don't know kind of what the difference is. They're spoiled, rich, spoiled kids that aren't snobs. But that's what it says. So those are the preppy people. Then you have the teeny boppers. Now, the teeny boppers are preteen girls. And they love Justin Bieber. They love Twilight. And now they love One Direction. I don't whole, understand the whole One Direction thing. But they love it. And they just keep up with these horrid popular uh, trends and fads that happen uh, year in, year out. Then you have the posers. And the posers copy the popular cliches. They would fit into anything at all as long as it's like the in thing to have right now. Then you have the skaters. And the skaters, you can always tell the skaters, the Urban Dictionary says that they are usually reckless. And uh, they've got their skateboards, and they're going around, and they're probably growing their head all along. Uh, they've got the skate sh- uh, shirts on, and they're probably wearing some van shoes um, as well. They're the skaters. And then the Urban Dictionary said that there is an image, and I didn't know whether to mention this one or not, but I thought, you know, it's pretty true. There's one, and there's people, they call themselves ghetto. And I'm like, I don't know why anyone would want to call themselves ghetto, but they call themselves ghetto. And it says that they are loud and annoying, and they have an undeserved sense of entitlement. Why anybody would want to be that, I have no idea. They normally wear shorts that come down to their ankles, um, and they're the ghetto people. Then you have the jocks and the cheerleaders, the jocks and the cheerleaders. They are the envy of many high school students. They get what they want, and they often mingle with the preppy people. Then there's a few more. Then there's the nerds. The nerds. How many of you are nerds here this morning? Wow, I'm like, we've got a church full of nerds. Well, the nerds are the most picked on cliche because everybody else is, intellig- is jealous of their intelligence. And I'll be honest, the nerds rule the world. Uh, did you know that? I mean, you just have to look at the most richest people in the world. They're like the nerds. Then you have the geeks. And the geeks are a little different from the nerds. The geeks aren't always as smart. They're, they may come across as a nerd, but when you start listening, to them, they're really not that smart. Um, And they love Japanese animation, and they love to play video games day after day after day after day, and their skin is so white because they haven't seen sunlight for like six months. They're the geeks. Then you have their emo or goths. 
And uh, they're a little scary, to be honest. And they have this whole persona that they are just depressed with life. Uh, They wear black all the time. They like to wear black long trench coats. And uh, goth think they're hardcore. And the Urban Dictionary said they smoke a lot as well. So I don't know about that. But uh, then then you have the punks and the rockers. And and now the punks and the rockers in the 1980s were the most popular people. Now in 2013, they listen to the music that is totally unpopular, and everybody thinks they're just weird because they listen to to rock music. I think rock music's pretty cool. But they're normally a lot smarter than the average person. Then you have the druggies. Now, the druggies uh, aren't uh, aren't the heroin addicts or something like that. They're the ones who get together in their groups, and they just smoke a lot of weed, and they listen to a whole lot of Bob Marley. And they're just like, hey, man, life is just beautiful. I mean, that's that's, that's the the druggies. Then you have the creeper, and there's not many of these in high school, but the creeper is that scary kid that nobody understands, and one day you just know he's going to burn down the school. I mean, you just know it. Then you have the loner, and I always feel sorry for the loners. And whenever I'm at a restaurant and I see someone eating by themselves, I just want to go and sit like with them and like eat with them. I don't, they, may, they may not be loners, but the loners are those who have no friends, and they just always just like go around life all by themselves. And then the last group of people that are most uh, uh, images in high school, the ones that we all just hate. And they are what we call the triple A's. They are uh, excellent in academics in athletics and in arts, and they're probably going to be the CEO of the next biggest company, and we don't like them because they all tell us how inferior we are uh, in life. But you know, everyone has an image that they portray, and high school is no different. You go to high school, and you see all these people portraying different images. And when you go out in life, you are portraying an image. The very first time I ever went to India, I went to India in 2000, and I just graduated from uh, university. I had no job, and so uh, I went with my dad, and uh, we were going through all these poor villages, and as we went through the poor village, every time we'd get out of a taxi or out of a car or come out of a building, it was, just, it was amazing. It was like people just swarmed to us. There was kids, there was women, there were, there were, there were men, and they were just coming, and they would just have their hand out in front of us, asking us to give them money. And I looked around, and, and the people that were with, the native Indians who, uh, uh, who were our guides and, uh, and, and we were their guests, nobody ever surrounded them. They just surrounded us, and I wondered why. And then I started to realize that these poor Indians had an image of a white person. And because we were probably like the only white people they had ever seen. And their image of a white person was that all white people are rich and they love to give money. And I was like poor and I just finished university. I had no money. But their image of a white person was that we were rich and we loved to give money. So they came to us because they thought that we would give them money. It was the image that they had of a white person. And every one of us, we have an image that we portray. But did you know this morning that the book of Genesis tells us, the book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible, first book of 66 books, and it gives the account of the creation of the world. And when the world was created, the book of Genesis tells us that human beings are made in the image of God. Let's take a look. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says this. Genesis 1 verse 26. 
It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God is saying there's, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they get together and they have a little meeting. They said, let us make human beings in our image. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. So if that's true, if Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is true, then you and me are made in the image of God. Just imagine that just for a moment. That means God looks like you. It's a scary thought, isn't it? You know, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh man, God looks like me. I can't believe it. But God looks like you. You know, I'm not entirely sure what God exactly looks like because I've never seen God with my physical eyes. And I'm not entirely sure of his full personality either. I know some of the characteristics, but I don't always fully understand all the characteristics of God. However, there is one thing I know for sure, that when I look at you, I am supposed to see the image of God. And when you look at me this morning, you are supposed to see the image of God. I'm like, God's some ugly dude, you know. But honestly, if you look at me, you're supposed to see the image of God. So if you are made in the image of God, then when other people see you or meet you, do they see God? Are they seeing God when they see you? You see, when I read my Bible and I, I read the stories and, uh, uh, and the parables and I see the miracles and, and all the things that went on, uh, that go on in, in the 66 books of, of this Bible, It appears to me that anyone who has seen God, anyone who has heard God, anyone who has experienced God has always been attracted to God. You know, if someone has seen God, they don't say, I don't want any of this. When I read the Bible and I see history and there's the, the stories throughout history, anyone who has seen God or experienced God, they are drawn to God. There is something about God that is inviting. People are drawn to him. For God is attractive to other people. And ju- just like a bug in the summer months, where, where at night when you put a light on, the bugs are just drawn to the light. We too should be drawn or we are drawn to God when we see God, when we hear God, and when we experience God as well. So that means if you are made in the image of God, then shouldn't people be drawn to you? Shouldn't shouldn't people be attracted to you? Shouldn't you be inviting to other people? If God is and you're made in the image of God, then shouldn't people be attracted to you? I think the problem for many of us is this is that we live our lives and we can even live a lifetime and not one person can see the image of God through us. It's because we're not inviting to others. 
We stop looking as God looks. We stop sounding as God sounds and giving to others as God gives. And people can't see the image of God through us. You know, when, when, when I was younger, my, uh, my brother and myself, we shared a bathroom. And it was weird. It, 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 we had like a, a bathroom uh, and where the toilet was. And then like you had to go down the hallway to like wash your hands. It was kind of weird. Um, but but uh, it was like this tiny little like stall almost. Uh, and, and on the back of the door, my parents had given me when I was younger a, a poster. And it was a poster of all the kings and queens of England since William the Conqueror. And William the Conqueror uh, came from France and he conquered England in 1066. And from that time on, he was like the first major king of England. And from that time on, we've all had kings and queens in England. So we had this poster full of these kings and queens of England. And uh, I I had this poster for years and it was the back of the door in this bathroom. And I'll be honest, I, I can name William the Conqueror, who was the first king. I can name maybe like Richard the First, uh, John the First, because that was like Robin Hood at uh, that time, uh, Henry the Eighth, Elizabeth the First, because there was a movie about her, and uh, and then like Elizabeth the Second, the current one. There was probably about fifty or sixty kings and queens since that. I, I I don't know the kings and queens of England very well, and I'm a bad Brit, I tell you. But my brother, five years old, every time he'd go to the bathroom, he would read every single king and queen. And there was like a picture next to each of them. And at the age of five, he could recite in order every king and queen of England. And all you had to do was show him the picture of the king or queen, and he would tell you exactly which king or queen that was. Because he saw a picture or a portrait of that king, and he remembered it. And so when he would read history books, he would look at the portrait of the king or queen and he would know exactly who that king or queen was. There was something about their portraits that he saw that he remembered. And each of you, when you go out in life, you have a portrait that you are giving to other people. And are people remembering that portrait or are they forgetting that portrait? You know, Christmas Day this year, we went round Mike and Laurie Agnes's house. And uh, they've got two boys, jo- Jonathan and, uh, and uh, Joshua. And uh, it was like late, later in the evening, it was around about uh, six o'clock, it was dark. And we knocked on the door, and a lady opened the door and let us in. And uh, this lady, she had short hair, and uh, we were like, Laurie, you've cut your hair. And we were like, wow, it looks really great. And she was like, I'm not Laurie. I mean, it was a little dark. And we had to take a second look, and it wasn't Laurie. Actually, it was Laurie's identical twin sister. I did not know she had identical twin sisters. But when I saw her, I immediately thought it was Laurie. And then as I watched them through the evening, I said to John, I'm like, man, it's like you've got two mothers. He was like, yeah, tell me about it. Because their mannerisms and their nature was exactly the same. Because their image was the same as each other. And I confused her for Laurie. And when people see you, are they seeing a portrait of God? Are they seeing the image of God? When people see you, do they remember God? Are they drawn to God? And I can tell you that if we are portraying the image of God, 
then we start having the same mannerisms and nature as God does. And so this morning, very quickly, what I want us to do, I want us to turn to the the book of Ephesians, which is in the New Testament, and we're going to look at the last section of chapter 4. And in there, it gives us a portrait of exactly what it means to be in the image of God. And I want to ask you this morning, are you in the image of God? Of God. There was a guy called the Apostle Paul who wrote a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus and he called it Ephesians. And he gave us insight into exactly what it means to be walking and living in the image of God. And so I want to ask you two questions this morning. The first question is Do you have insight? And then the second question is Do you have a glow? Because I believe that God is a God that has insight. And God is a God that has a glow about him. So in Ephesians chapter, two, chapter 4, starting at verse 17, let's take a look and see what it says. It says, With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them. They have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. So if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you you didn't learn that. It says, since we have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former ways of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So here the writer is saying that you are now, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, then there's this old nature that you had. It's like a, like a snake that has like old skin. And, and, and it's time to take that old nature off. Put on a new nature that is now created in the image of God. You know, I love to go to New York City. Love it. And if I could live in New York City, I would live in New York City. But I've always said I, have, I would only live in New York City if I had money because I wouldn't want to live in the Bronx or Queens or anything. I, I want to live right in Manhattan. But I love going to New York City. And I try when I go to New York City, I don't know, uh, maybe insecurities, I don't know, whatever. But I always try to, to make sure I don't look like a tourist. So I don't like to have a backpack on. I don't like to have a big map out or anything like that. I mean, you just get like swamped by like these guys trying to sell you bus tours. So I always try to make sure I look a little like a New Yorker until I open my mouth, that is. But, uh, but one thing that happens almost every time when I go to New York is we'll be on the subway. And we're about to catch a train. And somebody will come up to me and ask me how to get on a certain train to get to a certain place. And trying to fit in and be like a New Yorker. I'm like, yeah, it's like you do this. I don't put on a New York, New York accent. But, but I, I like tell them and I, I can tell them. There's something at the New York subway that I know that a lot of tourists don't know. And that is because I've spent time reading the map. Like my wife, she has no idea how to get from one place to another. And so she always follows me wherever I go. But it's amazing. Every single time somebody asks me for direction. And the reason is, is because I know the system. 
because I've studied the maps and I make sure I, I know the map of the subway system before I actually start. And there's something, when you look in the subway, next time you go to New York, you can see those who are just desperately confused. They have no idea what these letters and what these numbers and what these colors mean. And then you look at somebody who knows the system and there is a confidence about them. They have insight. They know exactly which way they're going. Someone who is confused will look around and they will try to find someone who, think, who looks like they think they know what's going on. And they will ask them because they are confused. There is something attractive about someone who has insight. The reality is I really don't know anything about the New York subway. But I just give off that persona. But if you are confused about life, then who do you go to ask? Do you ask someone who is equally confused about life and together you might be able to work something else? Or do you go to someone who is confident and knows the way to go and you ask them for direction in life? You'll always go to the person who knows the way, who knows the system. And the person who portrays the image of God. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that they are not confused about life. But they understand how the system works. And this is exactly how Christ would have us live. He wants us to understand the system so that we don't get confused. You know, we'll never have all the answers to everything in life. Nobody has all the answers to everything in life. But we can understand the root meaning to answer every question. Someone may come to you and they may have questions about life. And, 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 and honestly, you don't know the answer. But if you are living in the life that Jesus has given you, if you put on that new nature, if you are living in the image of God, then you know the root meaning behind the answers to those questions. And life can be very blurry at times, but we should never be confused. You see, insight is inviting to other people just as God has insight and people are attracted to God. Have you noticed when people don't know what to do with life, they start to pray to God. When people don't know, they're like... God, help me. What, what, what do I do? Which way do I go? What direction do I go? Why? Because they know that God has insight. God isn't confused about life. God is looking down and he knows exactly where everything goes, how the system works. And if you are made in the image of God, then you should be someone who portrays that you have insight and you're not confused about life. You say, well, how do I gain insight? The reality is you gain insight by the words and the stories and the principles and the parables and the songs that are found in, in, in this book. This book gives insight into life. And if you're not reading your Bible, then I encourage you, read your Bible every day. You don't have to read chapters upon chapters. Just read a little bit. If you're not reading anything at all, just read a couple of verses a day. There's some great apps out there for your phones or go on the computer and, and, uh, and there's some great websites that will give you some just direction. But I encourage you, read every day. 
Because that, it's the, through reading the Word of God, through reading the, the, the principles and the stories and the songs and the, uh, and the letters in this book that you'll start to gain insight into life. And then you'll be more like the image of God. Do you have insight? The second question I want to ask you this morning is, do you have a glow? Do you have a glow? I'm not talking about a radiated glow, you know, you've just been too close to, to, uh, to a nuclear power station and you've got glowing or you've just, you know, had a new Saint-Tropez tan and like you're glowing and everyone's like, wow, you're orange. Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of glow. I'm talking about a glow with your personality, with the characteristics that, that you live by. Let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it says this. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't let sin, uh, uh, don't let sin, uh, uh, sorry, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Let the sun go down, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives you a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. As we all have, uh, uh, as, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know what? When, when I read this, this passage of scripture, I, I see two different types of people. I see somebody who has a glow about them, and then somebody who has this just darkness about them. There is something attractive about a positive person. No one likes to be around negative people for too long. Most of us this morning, we have a negative friend. How many of you have got a negative friend? You know, you've got negative friends. And that's not bad because there are some people who are just naturally negative. But I guarantee that you can only be around that negative friend for so long. And you can, you can speak to them for a while, but eventually they just drain the life out of you. Now, how about positive friends? How many of you have got like some real positive friends? Wow, not as many as you. Wow. Well, positive friends, for those of you who don't have positive friends. Positive friends are those people that you just want to be around all the time. When you, when, you, when you leave, you, 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 you feel uplifted and you feel refreshed about life. It's like you, you just want to be with these people all the time because you feel good about life when you're with them. These friends are inviting to be around. They are attractive when you're negative friends. You love them dearly, but sometimes just like, oh, not again. There's something attractive about a positive person. There's also something attractive about a person who is encouraging, who encourages you. I'm sure you've all got friends or you know people who encourage you. And then you've got others who they'll just always say like some bad thing. 
You know, that, that, that will just bring you down, bring you back down to size. There's something attractive about encouraging people. Why? Because they have a glow about them. There's something attractive and inviting and about a person who is discreet and can keep a secret. There's a glow about those people. There's something attractive and inviting about the person who easily forgives and doesn't judge others. Because there's a glow about those people. There's something attractive and inviting about someone who is gentle and not harsh. Because there is a glow about them. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 25 again. And, 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 and look at the things that, 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 that are made in the image of God. That, that gives us this glow. It says, stop telling lies. People who are truthful have a glow about them. It says, don't let anger control you. People who don't get angry, there's a glow about them. People who are honest, it says, like a thief, uh, don't be like, uh, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Uh, People who are honest, people who work hard, there's a glow about them. People who give unto others instead of just gaining themselves, there's a glow about those people. And in verse uh, 29, it says, don't use foul and abusive language. People have like dirty mouths and just like, you know, you can only take so much of somebody when they just got a dirty mouth. You know, I mean, you can, a few words here and there, you can pass by. But when it's constant, but people who have got nice words that come out of their mouth, there's a glow about those people. And it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words in verse 31. And it says, and don't slander and get rid of all types of evil behavior. Because that's just dark. And there's nothing attractive about that. But, it says, instead be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you through Christ. There's something attractive about people who are tender-hearted, about people who forgive, about people who have this glow about them. And why do these people have this glow? Because they are portraying the image of God. And when you see them, you see a glimpse of what God is like. You know, most people who, who don't follow Jesus will come to a conclusion about Jesus and about faith in God based on those who are already following Jesus. So I've, I've heard so many, so many times, especially in the last 15, 20 years, people says, well, I don't want to follow Jesus because I don't like Jesus' followers. I don't go to church because I don't like the people in church, they're hypocritical, they judge, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're very exclusive, and, and, and they're, they're, they don't include others. And that's because they're not betraying the image of God. And the people around you in your life, they are getting an image of Christ and an image of God through your lifestyle. The things you say, the things you do, people are seeing God through that. You know, people are watching you. And I ask, are you inviting? You know, if you are a businessman or if you are uh, a HR person and you are hiring an employee, 
Imagine you had two different people who came to the interview. Uh, and the first one, they were, uh, you knew that they were a liar. They weren't honest. You knew they were lazy. They were foul mouths. They were bitter. They were angry. And they were a gossip. That was one candidate. Then you had another candidate, and you knew that they were trustworthy. They were well-mannered. They were hardworking. They were positive. They encouraged others. Unless you were, like, in the mob or something, everybody would choose the second person. Am I right? I don't think anybody would choose the liar, the lazy person. Why? Because there's a glow about these people. Businesses, they make sure that they have the very best people on the front lines because those are the ones who represent the company. And they want to give the best impression of the company. How many of you have ever called a company and you've got like some secretary on the other line and you just know that they are not interested uh, in your call, they're chewing some gum, and you just like you just get a bad impression. I remember the first time I, uh, I, I called my wife's work. She works in Baltimore City at a school, and they're just a little different down there than what we are in Harford County, you know? takes all sorts in life. But I remember the first time I ever called, I spoke to a lady, and I know her now she's a nice lady, but I got the worst impression of that school I could ever imagine. I could not understand her. She couldn't understand me. I don't think she could understand anybody. But, but it was the worst impression. And that's exactly what we're giving off. We're giving an impression, an image of God. Why? Because you are actually created in the image of God. And when other people see you, do they see a glow? You know, there are some Christians who you just want to like stand outside a church and wave around so everybody could see because they are just incredible people. And you're like, this is what a Christian should be. But then there are other Christians, you just want to like blindfold, you want to like handcuff, and you want to just stick them in a back room and lock the door so that nobody ever sees them. Because they're just unattractive. They're not inviting to others. Why are you attracted to people who give good impressions? Why would we all hire a trustworthy person instead of the other person? It's because they have a glow about them. And that is exactly what the image of God is. The person who is in the image of God has this inviting glow about them. Anyone who portrays the image of God, anyone who is like a portrait of God, is inviting and attractive. So here's the tough question for the day Are you a portrait? For the image of God. When people see you, do they see God? Or does God want to blindfold you, handcuff you, gag you, and stick you in a back room and lock the door so that nobody sees you? Because the image that you give off is an image about God and about Jesus Christ. And this isn't some market employed by God just to make sure all the best people are out front. No, God created you in his image and he wants you to live in that image for a reason. And that is because he wants you to become like him. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, after all this, be imitators of God. 
Because God wants you to be like him. And the reason is, is because when you become like him, you become inviting and attractive. And it's through that that others will start to find faith in Christ Jesus. And they will start living a life that is full of hope, joy, peace, and love. So when you're at work, when you are at school, when you're with your friends or with your family, when you're driving your car on 95 at 7 in the morning and it's bumper to bumper, when you're on vacation and you're drinking some pina coladas in Jamaica, do people see God through you? Or do they just see another image? Like you look at people and you're like, yeah, that person's a goth. Or that person's preppy. That guy's a jock. Or, you know, that, 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 that one is uh, a geek. When people see you, they see, yeah, that person is in the image of God. That person is a Christ follower. And if you, if you, are, if you are portraying the image of God, then you're inviting to others. And if you're not, it's time to start living in the image of God. Of the one who created you to become like him. It's time to gain some insight. And start to to read your Bible. Or uh, understand just the principles and the things and the love and the forgiveness that comes through these words. It's time to get a glow. And that means that you have to put off the old nature and put on a new nature that Christ gives you. Take off the old, dirty, smelly clothes and put on the new clothes that have just come out of the washing, out of the dryer. And they've got that little warmth to them. That's what God wants you to do. It's time to start being an attractive image, an inviting portrait of an inviting Let's pray.